You are now tuned in to the December 26er podcast, where we encourage you to be extraordinary on an ordinary day. Twenty sixers, welcome to another episode of the December twenty sixer podcast. I am your host, Delicia, and this episode features guest Jeff Ulissi. Jeff is an award-winning motivational speaker, author, and the founder and CEO of JU Consultants. JU Consultants is a youth development and educational consulting company that is really working to revolutionize youth empowerment. Now, Jay is one of our guests who is in this entrepreneurship thing full time. And during our conversation, we talk about how he got there, namely how he got fired, which pushed him to make his company his main gig. So many nuggets in this interview. So go ahead, take a listen, and I hope you enjoy. Jeff Ulysses, how are you? I'm well, I'm well. Welcome to the December 26th podcast. Thank you so much, family. It's a pleasure to be on the podcast. Thank you for having me. Pleasure to have you. Thank you so much for coming out on this dreary Saturday. There's like a marathon going on outside. Take forever to get here. (laughs) But we are in a beautiful space with some great ambient music. For sure. It's a good vibe. It's It's a a good good vibe. vibe. Despite the clouds, yes, and the wet weather. So let's jump into it. Tell me, who is Jeff Ulysses? For sure. Jeff Ulysses is a young young black mogul in the making with a trillionaire mindset hey. and the heart of a servant. <laughs> I love that. A trillionaire mindset and the heart of a servant. So let's jump right into the servitude part because you are building an impressive brand that is built on a servant's heart and you found a way to make a living by also doing what you're passionate about. And I, I believe the primary medium for that is your company, JU Consultants. Absolutely. So tell us a little bit more about that. So JU Consultants, uh, we're a youth development education consultant company. Uh, We engage 21st century youth in unparalleled, unconventional, uh, untraditional ways. Um, We believe that we are the solution to youth development, and we believe that our main purpose and soul is to revolutionize youth development. So how does one do that, revolutionize youth development? Because personally, I think when we were coming up. I may be a little bit older than you, um, but I'm 36. So crack. It, it don't that melanin. Let me tell you, <laughs> good genetics, good melanin. But when I was coming up, I feel like we had a lot less to compete with because I was the pre social media age. Right. Yeah. We were still passing notes between classes. So I look at what these kids have to deal with today with the cyber aspect and how much they're mm-hmm. exposed to. And I feel like it's harder for them to find their own identity. There's more pressure to conform when you are bullied it's at a a different level so when they're competing with all these things and you're competing for their attention how do you revolutionize within that kind of difficult environment you have to contend um for their hearts Mm -hmm. and i think that it's a matter of relationship uh with young people what i know is sure is real recognize real absolutely young people know when you care young people know when you're about it you know what i mean and young people know when you're for them and so um for me it's just it's who i am you Mm -hmm. know what i mean like i am the revolution of youth development. It's in my being. It's in my DNA. Like it's etched in me. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. It's ingrained in me. And so when I come around, young people flock to me, they gravitate towards me. And it's not, you know, it's, it's, it's not me, Mm -hmm. you know, but I know it's just, um, you know, just the the gifts that are on the inside of me. You know what I mean? I know this is what I'm called to. You know, I think for me, what makes it different, uh, what makes me able to revolutionize um, youth development is because I've been called, because Mm -hmm. I've been qualified, you know, because I have been equipped with the tools uh, to do so and the training to do so at the same time as well. You know what I mean? And so, you know, for me, this is something I'm very passionate about. Uh, For me, this is, this is, 
this is my world. Mm-hmm. Um, this is my life. Um, and it's an obsession um, that's matched with continuous effort. You know what I'm saying? And so, uh, yeah. <laughs> that's good. That's that's a good word. Um, <laughs> and I had a, a question that I had prepared that yeah. was way farther down the list. But since we're going this direction, I'm going to speed ahead a little bit. <laughs> sure. So in my research, I watched some of the videos that were online of the work that you do and you're yeah. speaking. And I was watching these kids and one mm. of the talks that you were giving and the tears, right? <laughs> kids literally crying and clearly being impacted. And as someone who has spoken to a lot of different audiences, both youth and adults, I know that kids are a tough crowd, okay? You know, they were looking at you like, like you said, real recognized, real, <laughs> yeah, like they're absolutely. looking at you like, move me, entertain me. So when I saw that, I realized that you not, you don't just have talent. And the exact word that I wrote down was calling mm. because a lot of people have talent, but it doesn't mean that's what they're called to do, cool. right? It's, yeah. it's a difference. So, and I consider myself a person who has a level of discernment. So I see a lot, of, I meet a lot of talented people and sometimes yeah. I'm thinking, but you're not doing what you're called to do. Come on. You're not in the right lane. But with you, it was evident to me, this, this person is standing fully in what he was put on this planet to do. Now, is this a calling that you always recognized or was it something that was awakened in you later? I believe this, this was something that, um, it's, I believe that it was something that was always in me. Um, I just always love young people. I always, mm-hmm. always just love youth. I've always just wanted to help people, uh, just growing up, you know, so it's just something I feel that was just an innately in me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you said something about talent, you know, and calling, you know, for me, it's, it, it definitely is a calling, right? But it's when talent and character meet, that's the effect that you get in a space where young people can literally break down and experience a sense of freedom. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Because for me, I take pride in my secret life. For me, I believe it's the secret life that counts. It's your secret life that matters. You know what I'm saying? And for me, I make a practice of winning in secret. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Of making decisions um, and the tough decisions when nobody else is watching, when nobody else is there. And so I believe that you have to be faithful in secret. You got to be faithful in the little things and you'll be made ruler of all things. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. So, yeah. So did you wake up one day and say, I'm called to impact youth. This is what I'm going to do. Like, how did that happen? <laughs> it, you know, I, I just think um, I've experienced some of the things that young people experience and just, um, you know, just living with a, a lack of purpose, mm-hmm. um, you know, just not knowing uh, who, you know, I am and just experiencing rejection, experiencing defeat, experiencing hopelessness, struggling with, you know, my confidence, struggling with my self-esteem, feeling like I'm like the ugly duckling, like, you mm-hmm. know, just looking at every part of my body and examining every flaw and magnifying every flaw in me and just, you know, I just feel like I just, I just feel like I just know what young people go through. I feel like mm-hmm. I know what they experience. I mean, you know, experiencing lack, you know what I mean? Uh, you know, I, I didn't grow up rich. I didn't, I didn't grow up with a silver spoon in my mouth. You know what I'm saying? So right. it's just like, y'all, I was, I was born in the jungle. I was born in the concrete jungle. You right. know what I'm saying? I've, I've earned my stripes. I've earned my lashes. Like, and so I just feel like all of this just kind of just, it, it groomed me. It, 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 it molded me into who I am, into this person that knew all along um, that I was meant for greatness, that I was meant to do something amazing, that I was meant to do something that would shape shift the culture and just move the culture, you know, youth culture specifically. And I just think that it just groomed my experiences, my life. It just groomed me that my, my struggles, my challenges, my flaws, my failures, they all, they all kind of just groomed me into this moment of, you know, just me making that decision to say, hey, yo, it's time to revolution 
used to, I was youth development. It's time to change the game. Mm-hmm. I mean, even just my my work experience, youth, 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 youth. Like I've had the pleasure and opportunity to work with K through 12 and beyond and, and adults. So it's just like, I just feel like I have this intergenerational experience of working with young people. And I just knew that I was a fit, you know, for young people. I just knew it was a fit for me. Just mm-hmm. it, it, it was almost effortless. You know what I'm saying? And so it's just like when, when you're doing something that's effortless, you know, that's what you should be doing. Right. Exactly. So how did you get to the point where you, you went from, I know I'm supposed to be impacting youth. This is what I'm going to do to, I'm going to make this my full time career because that's two different things. Like I know a lot of people who are like, I'm committed to the community. I'm committed to kids, but that's what I do after I leave my corporate job or, you know, the well-paying city job that I have, but you're in this 24 seven. So how did that transition happen? Did you like, cause I, I, you know, I know a lot of our listeners because I get the questions after (laughs) like, how are people, you know, making a full-time living and paying their bills off passion? So how did that, how did that transition happen for you? Man, I am the 6% of entrepreneurs who are all in, mm-hmm. right? And um, for me, I actually got fired from my part-time job, from okay. my only paying job. And I'll be transparent. And so the reason why I had got fired from the job was because uh, I, I've outgrown the company. Mm-hmm. I've outgrown the space. And, um, you know, I know that it was more to it, right? I know that there was envy. I know that there was jealousy. Um, you know, I again, your gift will speak for you. Absolutely. It won't just make room for you. You, but it also speak for you. You know what I'm saying? And so I think that um, I accepted it. Right. You know, it's just all right. Cool. No doubt. Um, and so I left because it was something where it was just it was an organization that was in the red. When I came in, it was in the red. And um, when I left, it was in the green. Wow. Um, you know what I'm saying? And so um, it was something that it was that moment where I realized I said, you know what? Everything that my hands touch, it's almost as if I have the Midas touch. Like it just turns to gold. It just mm-hmm. prospers. Like it just flourishes. Like I know that I'm a builder. You know what I mean? Like these hands, like I have diligent hands. I don't have slack hands. And it's just like everything I put my hands to, it just works um, when I'm operating in my gift and my specialty. And so I said, you know, because I was working in, uh, I was working at an after school program. I was a program directed Mm -hmm. for, you know, a site and everything like that. And so I just, you know, I said to myself, if I can build this for you, you know what I'm saying? And if if I can do this on, you know, on your time, I can definitely, I can damn sure do it on mine. I can build my own empire. You know what I'm saying? You know, but what I learned was that it was important for me to be in this space. It It was important for me to learn there, to grow there, to develop there, to run different pilot programs there, to see what worked, to see what didn't work, you know, so that when I'm ready for my own now, I can definitely implement those things at which I learned. And so um, it was really me getting fired was what pushed mm-hmm. me to open uh, and launch my own company and to be in this full time because I just, I again, I just, I see, I, for me, it's, it's just weird, man. Like, it's like, I can hear the cries of of, of young people. Like, right. I, I can hear it. Like, I can feel it, you know? And it's just, I just, I just know. And it, I, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I just, and so I just said, man, like, I have to do this. Like, it's something that I have to do. And I just felt like if I don't, don't do it. I'm just wasting my life. Right. I think there's an important important lesson here because people go through being let go or yeah. having a, a fallout at a job 
job and they spend so much time on the narrative that they've mm. created about how they were rejected or I gave so much to this company and then they just threw me away and they get so stuck there that yeah. they don't recognize that this may have needed to happen to push me into the direction of oh, my absolutely. purpose. So I think your story is a testament to having the appropriate vision and standing yes. confidently in who you are and what you're called to do and realizing that when things happen, it's at a divine time and for a divine yeah. reason and using it to your advantage and, and seeing the positive of that. I wish people did that more. We're human. I'm not saying I do it all the time, yeah. but it's especially, you know, for 26ers who those folks who listen to this podcast are mainly overachievers who believe they are called to do something amazing and, and have an yeah. impact and blaze a new trail. But because I think sometimes because we are so deeply committed to that and believe we have a special gift, when we experience any kind of rejection or disappointment or we're not chosen, we get caught in like, mm. how could they not? want me here why they let me go I'm going above and beyond I've done all these great things I've got the Midas touch and not thinking about the fact that maybe that was just for a season and a reason in my life Mm. and now it's time to move on and start the next chapter Mm -hmm. so I'm glad you discussed that and you were transparent yeah for sure so now let's talk a bit about this next chapter you've built a consulting company Mm -hmm. revolutionizing the youth and the, the youth experience and the way in which they can be impacted what are some of the tactical programming programs that you have that your company offers? Yeah. So what I offer is uh, youth financial education. Mm-hmm. Um, really, it's an opportunity and a program that's designed for young people to build, manage and sustain wealth. Um, it's it's a program really where is um, we encourage and we influence and empower um, young people to become owners mm-hmm. and not loners. Um, you know, we encourage them to, to become the ones who are the lenders, right? And not necessarily the borrowers, but, you know, we 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 really just want young people to know that, listen, man, you can break the back of lack in your generation, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? And that you can pass it down that, you know what I'm saying? That you can literally pass down the wealth that you have acquired, that you have built, that you have managed, that you have sustained through intelligence and diligence, um, through integrity, you know what I'm saying? Through sound uh, fiscal decision-making mm-hmm. and that you can pass that down and now create generational wealth for, you know, you and your family. And I think that this program, my financial uh, educational program, really, man, it's 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 to bridge the gap between black wealth versus white wealth. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? To bridge the gap between black income and white income. You know what I'm saying? And so um, it's something that I'm again, I'm super passionate about it. Right. And, I, and, and it's and the program really is also about taking young people through an introspective plunge where they would have an encounter with their passions. Mm-hmm. Right. And they'd be able to identify their passion. And now after you have identified your passion, now that you take that passion and we show you how to package it, where now you've turned it into a product. And now that product is yielding you a profit. You know what I'm saying? Right. And so really, this program is really untraditional and is designed to really show young people how to monetize the things that they love and love to do. Not like, but love. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And so that's really um, what I offer. Um, the bulk of my work has been um, around, you know, financial education, financial literacy. It's been something that I, you know, I've specialized in. Um, but in addition to that, uh, my business partner, 
uh, myself and Purvis Taylor, we have a program that's called Alchemic Solutions, and it's a social emotional program that's infused with some restorative justice concepts and practices um, that's really designed to help young people transmute their narratives of what it means um, to be of color, you know, mm -hmm. and to be of affinity, uh, you know, and so that's something that, you know, we have going as well. Also have a girls empowerment program uh, that's connected to it. Um, but for me, you know, really the bread and butter, you know, and the specialty uh, with that specialized knowledge is really just uh, the youth financial education program that I've designed and that I've developed. Awesome. And shout out to Purvis Taylor, former guest and friend of the show, who's also in the building today. Yeah, absolutely. In any event, so let's talk a little bit more about that financial education um, tour that you did. You partnered with Capital One Bank, right? Yeah. How did that come about? Because <laughs> that's, that's that corporate money, right? <laughs> we all know it's not necessarily easy to get that corporate sponsorship, but yeah. you made it happen. So how did that come about? Yeah, man. So um, how really that that uh, came about was, so it was, you know, it was connected with the Brooklyn Borough Presence mm -hmm. Office. Um, shout out to Sandra Chapman, Deputy Program Officer. She's an amazing, amazing, amazing person, good people in that family. Um, so we worked together in the past doing financial literacy in Brooklyn. And so we actually had an event uh, and we had collaborated with MCU. And so MCU was really the first bank that I actually had ever worked with uh, on this particular project on financial literacy. And so we had a day because April is in Brooklyn, April is uh, Financial Empowerment Month. Okay. And so for, you know, for that sake, what we did was we had a huge uh, empowerment, financial empowerment program, you know, day for the young people, which was amazing. Um, and so after that, the event was such a success because I had, you know, designed and created the curriculum for the day, the workshops and all of that, the performances, everything. And so it was a huge success. And we said, listen, we need to, you know, keep this going. You know, we need to build a sense of continuity on this. We need to, you know, really continue to develop this. Um, and so it was, you know, really, it might have been a couple months ago after we had worked on uh, that one day program, they had given me a call and said, listen, Capital One, you know, had approached them and were looking for some, you know, an organization that specializes in youth financial education. First, per I was the first person that they that was on their mind. I was the first wow. person that they contacted. I was the first person that they called. And Capital One said, look, we got this grant It's here. Um, what do you guys want to do? And um, they called me up and I said, listen, so obviously as a consultant, as a specialist, I said, look, this is what we need to do. This is how we're going to do it. Put everything together, assemble the team. Next thing you know, um, <laughs> you know, all over touring all over Brooklyn, <laughs> you know, hitting, hitting schools and, um, you know, Brownsville, hitting schools and uh, Bushwick, hitting schools and Bed-Stuy, just hitting schools all over and just seeing just young people just, um, you know, in awe and just really eating this information, mm -hmm. receiving this information and just being fed and just, you know, even just crying and breaking down and because it's just it's just so real. And so that's kind of how that uh wow. opened up. And this is why you have to knock it out of the park every single Oh, time. yeah. Because you don't know what opportunity is going to lead to another opportunity. Oh, yeah. And that next one can be the tipping point that literally oh, changes the tra trajectory of your career, absolutely. your life, everything. And, and this is why like I, I love and I try to align myself with people who show up ready to win. Oh, whether that's it's good. five people that's good. in the audience, whether it's one-on-one, -on -one, whether it's a thousand. Like, yeah. I don't believe in playing small in Come any environment now. because you never know Come on now. what it's going to lead to. Listen, you play small, you get small, but you play big, you get big, you win big. Absolutely. You know Absolutely. So I appreciate you, you know, telling that story. But I want to talk a little bit more about your background because you said you didn't grow up rich. So no. how did you bolster your own financial literacy to be a subject matter expert for this specific yeah. demographic? Yeah. Um, as an educator, you know, because I'm an educator by heart. 
um, by nature. It's in my nature. I got my master's, um, my degree in education, everything mm -hmm. like that. And so um, I, I love to study. I love research. Um, I love, I just love to sharpen the saw. And for me, I'm driven by need and I'm driven by research that shows and demonstrates need. And so for me, you know, I've just done a lot of study. Um, I have a lot of mentors. And so I surround myself with um, wise counsel. I mm -hmm. surround myself with folks that are millionaires, right? You know what I'm saying? And so I surround myself, you know, by that type of company and I receive mentorship from that type of company. And so I surround myself with folks who are fiscally prudent, folks who are fiscally responsible. And I receive that training and that development. And so what's on them will come right up on me. And Absolutely. so, you know what I'm saying? And so that's really how I've developed um, the sense of savviness, financial savviness that I have and that I demonstrate and that I even write about in my book, mm -hmm. all about my money. And so, um, and that's really how that, you know, developed. So since you brought it up, let's talk about your book. Let's all talk about, about it. My money. Because I'm all about, about my money. Yes, me too. <laughs> yeah, man. So this book, um, you know, again, you know, this book is really just an extension of um, my, it's an extension as a, and a representation of my financial um, education program for youth. And the book, again, the book is really designed to, uh, for young people to build, to, to take young people into that experience, right? Mm -hmm. To take them into building wealth, managing wealth, uh, sustaining wealth, identifying that, um, to get to do. My heart for this book was really to get young people to make them a, to, really to, I guess it's more so that you've got to be a fit for wealth, right? And so really getting young people fit for wealth where they, um, embody the, the qualities and the characteristics and the, t and the character to be able to sustain that, to be able to produce that, to be able to manage that. And so, um, that's really why I wrote this book. You know what I'm saying? And I think when I was on tour, I just saw young people who were in lack, right. Right. You know, and who were in environments that condition that were conditioned for lack. Mm -hmm. And it was just like, when I went there, I just had this burning discontent and I just felt like I I was in a room with, you know, just young millionaires. I just, I just felt that I was in a space, you know, with, 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 you know, with the world's first trillionaire. Like I just felt like I was in a space with, you know, young people who just emanated wealth. Mm -hmm. It just, it, I, I, it was like, I, I could just feel it, but it was just like their environment, you know, was closing them in. Like their environment was suffocating them. And it was just like, they felt like, well, nah, I could trap. Nah, I could scheme. Well, nah, I could, nah, like, no, let me show you the better way. Let me show you a more excellent way. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? It's just like, and after seeing that and after experiencing, I said, like, I got to write this, this book. Like, I need young people to see that wealth is not for just a certain race or class or, 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 or demographic or, or, or type of people, but not like, yo, but wealth are the wealth is for those who choose to put action behind their passion. Wealth is, is it, it, it's for those who choose to, um, you know, just who choose to be conscious of it. Right. You know what I'm saying? And so I just felt like, why not you? Why not? Right. You know, why not? You can create create the life that you imagine for yourself. And if you and if you imagine a life of wealth, a life of luxury, a life of prestige, a life of influence, you can create that. And so I wrote a book that's designed to encourage young people and take them through that. Awesome. And there's a segment in the book which stuck out to me mm -hmm. around this idea of wealth consciousness. So you yeah. put forth the idea that the first step in the wealth building process is you have to build wealth consciousness. Absolutely. Now I'm an adult. I know what that means, right? <laughs> but for a, how do you instill that into a 
child who may not even understand conceptually what wealth is yet? How do you get them into a place of wealth consciousness at such an early age? So, and it's written, and I, and I take young people through that experience in my book. I give them a formula. Mm -hmm. I present them a wealth consciousness formula. And so that formula, it's pretty simple um, to a certain degree, right? But it's change in mindset plus a change in language equals a change in behavior. That leads to productivity, Mm -hmm. Right. And consistency, which will lead to wealth building. Right. And so I think that it's really showing young people and, and sharing with young people, listen, you've got to be able to start changing your mindset, start shifting your mindset. If you can change your mindset and if you start changing your language, then your act, your, your, your behavior, your actions will, will change. You know, and I think uh, and when I talk to young people, man, it's 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 important that in the wealth building, wealth building process and being wealth conscious, you have to be it before you live it. Absolutely. You have to express it on the inside of you. You have to generate it on the inside of you. You have to become the embodiment of that which you seek. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And so you are what you think. You're a product of your thoughts. You know what I'm saying? So that's why it's important that you have to shift and change your mindset because if you're saying, well, hey, I'm ugly, I'm dumb, I'm I'm, I'm broke, I'm poor. What do you think? Is What are you attracting? Right? You know what I'm saying? And so again, so you are what you think. And so you have to be mindful of your words. You have to be mindful of your language because to be honest with you, wealth is in language. Right. Yeah. So let me ask you this. This question might be a little controversial. <laughs> um, you're a man of faith. I'm a man of Correct, faith. Right? Absolutely. Do you think that church has crippled communities of color when it comes to wealth consciousness and wealth generation? And I asked that mm. question. Let me add a little bit of context because okay. I grew up in this thing, right? Yeah. And what I hear often in my communities is, oh, you know, I, I need money for this or I'm trying to get my business off the ground. You know, the Lord will make a way. Yeah. Full stop. And that's the end. I'm walking by faith and not by sight, which is something that we have to do. Yeah. Right. But I think there are tactical tools and steps that we need to be implementing as well that sometimes is missed because we're so focused on the faith part, because that's what we're entrenched yeah. in. And, and I personally believe that the church has a responsibility to educate the community in, in a very real way on things Absolutely. beyond Absolutely. faith speak. So Absolutely. I'm asking you, do you think that the church has crippled us in, in some way? Um, in, in some way, what, you know, I think to be honest with you, I think faith without works is dead. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? I think that, you know, that should really be the mainstream message of the church, right? That money's not just going to fall out the sky, like, or what you're seeking, you know, it's not just going to just magically appear. Right. And God is just going to just poof and like, nah, like, you know what I'm saying? It's, I think that, um, it's something that, you know, some churches definitely, you know, do that, you know, mm -hmm. but I can't speak for all churches and stuff like that. But, you know, for me, I just think that it's just important that you have to match your works with your faith. Right. You know what I'm saying? And that's how you get results. That should be the message of the pulpit. Right. And when you just think of a blessing and, and, and stuff like that, like you got to go and get it. Right. You got to go and get it. You know what I'm saying? And so <laughs> that's just what, you know, yeah. that's just my two cents on the matter. And, and I do, you know, sometimes blessings appear out of nowhere. And you're absolutely. like, oh, my gosh. Right. And I think that's where grace comes in. You know, we Abs may not absolutely. be doing everything that we need to do, absolutely. but these markers come and these blessings come, these rams in the bush. Uh, Absolutely. That, Most that, that show us, hey, I'm on yeah. the right path. But it yeah. doesn't mean you just sit back no. and wait for that to happen no. again. You yeah. know, that that is that yeah. should motivate you to push a little harder to push it and, and do a little more. Absolutely. So let's talk about your faith walk. So you, you got fired from your job and you said, all right, I'm in this full time.
Did you have a nest egg? Was your financial situation strong enough to do that with with a level of comfort and peace? Or was it a little more rocky? It was a little more rocky. Okay. I took um I took a risk. Mm-hmm. Um I went on and you know, risk is an adventure, you know, and I yeah. just I, I went on this adventure, man. I went where the wild things are. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And and I just I took everything I had mm-hmm. and I just invested I you know, I invested in in what I believed in. You know what I'm saying? I threw I threw my whole self in it. I threw my whole livelihood in everything that I had, I, I took it and I threw it in my company and I put it in my company. And um I didn't go the route of the typical route of, hey, you know, hey, let's go out and let's go seek for investments. Mm-hmm. Let's go out, let's see, you know, for startup money. Let's go out and get capital funding. Let's go ahead and go maybe if we can get some discretionary fundings and, and whatever we can do. I didn't do that. I took everything that I had and I put it out, you know, and um I just felt that I had to do it because I just believe in it. I believe in I believe in my movement. I believe in my brand. I believe in what I'm doing. I believe in me. <laughs> you know what Absolutely. I'm saying? Absolutely. And a belief in yourself. If you I tell people this all the time, if you don't have it. Like if you don't have that yeah. that self-confidence, that belief in yourself, yeah, yeah. you are going to be stunted. And how are you going to sell somebody else on what it is you're trying to do? Absolutely. And you really don't fully believe it. Absolutely. And I, I admire people. And I think it's something that I, I've had to develop. But I admire people who just have that inherent confidence where they just know. Like they know and they're knowing. <laughs> yeah, it's it's hard, though. It's yes. hard. You know what I mean? I, I don't want to, you know what I'm saying, like act like I have it all day because I don't. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Like the life of an entrepreneur, it is rough. You go through emotional fluctuations daily, right. like daily. You know what I'm saying? Like, why am I doing this again? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You know what I mean? But when you go to schools and when you're working with CBOs and you're working with different clients and you see, you know, just the the faces of the young people and when you see young people, um, you know, respond the way they in, in which they respond, it's just like, yeah, this is why. You know, when right. you can be in a space and young people are literally crying and releasing um, and experiencing freedom, you know, and tapping into their potential and experiencing belief and just like letting go like, yo, I do this again. Right. It reminds me of when mothers talk about, you know, when they, they have a baby and they first lay that baby on their chest yeah. and it was like they just forget. Yeah. all the pain yeah, that they yeah, just went yeah. to yeah. through and the contractions and all the yeah. stuff and the hours of labor. And they're like, I've heard several mothers say like, I want another one. You don't, you don't think about all the stuff it took to get that child here. Absolutely. And I think it, the same goes for birthing spiritual gifts. You know, the, the, the pain of trying to bring something to fruition and, I know for me, oftentimes it'll be like the day of, I've got to speak, I've got to do an interview and I'm so wiped and I'm just like, I've got to push myself. But the minute I'm in it and the minute, whatever it is that I had envisioned is birthed. I'm like, when do we get to do this again? This this is awesome. (laughs) And I I think that's the the sweet spot. Like when you know you're walking in your calling. Oh, absolutely. Because, and, and I, you know, I've shared this with some of my mentees and, um, you know, mentors, it's just like, after like, after, you know, a gig, after a show, after a program, I just feel so like satisfied in the moment, mm-hmm. right? Satisfaction in the moment, you know, a, a sense of contentment in the moment where it's just like, yo, I really feel like if I were to die, mm-hmm. I'd be so good because I know that I've emptied out because I know that I've poured out. You know what I'm saying? Because mm-hmm. I know that I gave everything that I had in me. You know what I'm saying? And so, um, yeah, <laughs> that's how you know you're you're you're, you're, you're doing you're it. in it. Yeah, you're in it. Yeah. So, what does a typical day look like for you now? A typical day for me, <laughs> <laughs> as if you, there is a typical day. As but yeah. right. Um, you know, getting up. I, yeah, I wake up. 
I do my uh, morning devotion. My, uh, you know, just you know, just get in a mindful place. Um, faith is faith is very important to me. I'm a man of faith. I'm a man of spirituality. Uh, my relationship with Jesus is something that is paramount um, and integral. Uh, it keeps me going. Uh, you can't give what you don't have, mm-hmm. and so I have to go to the place where I get full, and so I can give. And so, the, you know, I start off with a devotion, um, go into some exercise. Um, then after that, you know, you get some breakfast, <laughs> get some food. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just get, I get myself together, get my morning stuff, get my, myself together in the morning. Um, then I just really get in my creative space. Mm-hmm. Uh, I get in the space of producing, uh, start, you know, contacting leads, following up on leads, following up on clients, calling my business partner, getting our assignments situated for the day. Uh, if we have a meeting, then we got to head out to a meeting, um, you know, and really um, that's my day. You know, and in the nighttime, you know, just coming back, you know, I just kind of just take it easy, relax, do some reading, chill out for a little bit, watch some TV. Sometimes after a long day, I love just going home, laying down, cutting the TV on and just watch the TV until I fall asleep. And you need that. We need that, you know, escapist (laughs) opportunity as well to decompress a little bit. Yeah, yeah, definitely. For sure. But I'm sure event days are a little bit more hectic. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. (laughs) Absolutely. It's like literally from sunup to, you know, it's sunup, you know, sundown. I don't get home till, you know, sundown. So it's like, you know, there are times where I'm working 11 hour days, mm-hmm. I'm doing 12 hours, you know what I'm saying? I'm literally just going all day, but it doesn't feel like work because I'm doing what I love. Right. You know what I'm saying? So it's just like after, you know, just after a show, after working with some kids, you know, we go out to eat. Mm-hmm. We eat good. <laughs> you know, so we eat good after, you know, we just, you know, relax and just take it easy and then just on to the next. You know, if we have another gig the same day, then we go out, do what we got to do. Uh, you know, if not, then we just plan. You know, then I plan and again contacting more leads. You mm-hmm. have to be on it every day. Right. You know, you got to contact the client every day. You got to contact the lead every day. You had to do what you got to do because um, you don't, you know, you're not going to eat. You know what right. I'm saying? If you ain't going, you know, do the work, if you ain't going to go out there and do the work. So, you know, it's a matter of just doing the work and staying consistent. And that has been a theme on a lot of these episodes with people who are making this entrepreneurship thing work, like having a dogged pursuit. <laughs> of clients, right? Yeah. It's, it's not enough to be like, hey, family and friends on Facebook, I started this business. If you know anybody that I can offer my services to, let me know. People think that that is a marketing strategy. And I keep saying like, <laughs> Putting it out there on Facebook that is yeah. not a marketing strategy. Nah. And you've got to hit the phones. You've got yeah. to hit the emails. And it can take a while in the whole client life cycle to get the buy-in. It Absolutely. may not happen. You may not get a flat-out no. They're just yeah. indifferent. You, it, it may not happen immediately. L- listen, I got a flat-out no the other day. I called, <laughs> I, called, I called the target. I was like, hey, what's up? How you doing? Yeah, I say, what's up? But, mm-hmm. you know, um, would you be interested in our financial, um, you know, education program, you know, for youth and young adults and blah, 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 blah. And she was like, no, we're not interested. <laughs> I was was like sure thank you in that moment i was like damn you had to say no like right. that <laughs> but i mean it comes with the territory mm-hmm. you know so you just to your point you have to be on it you got to be proactive right absolutely so let's talk about faith a little bit more yeah so you grew up catholic but then there was a shift that happens <laughs> a shift yeah. in the atmosphere a sh- <laughs> tell, tell me a little bit more about that yeah man so I, I i grew up catholic um i've had really i credit my grandfather to my spiritual development, mm-hmm. you know, to what I understand now, what he was doing was he was planting seeds. Um, and I actually dedicated my book all about my money to my grandfather. So we grew up Catholic, going to mass, um, and we went to mass because we had to go to mass. 
Um, you know, and it was, you know, good thing about Mass was it was quick. It was oh, like yeah. literally like, yo, 30, 45 and minutes out. and we out. And we you meet casting, the brunch rush if you're Catholic. Yo, listen, <laughs> and we go cast a Giants game, you know, cast a, you know, cast a game that was on and stuff like that. So I really didn't care for it. Um, you know, but my, I did gravitate towards my grandfather, mm-hmm. you know, because he was a man of faith. He was actually a charismatic Catholic. Okay. And so I actually saw him, witnessed him operate in the gifts of the spirit. Mm-hmm. And I saw him do some incredible things. I didn't understand it. I had no idea what was going on. Um, but I just watched him. I just watched his life. I watched his relationship. Um, I watched his intimacy. I watched and I would listen where he would be in the other room and I would be sleeping. And, and I would just hear him praying all throughout the night. I would hear him 4 a.m. He'd be praying 5 a.m. He'd still be praying. By the time I get up 8 a.m., he's up praying, still praying. And so I just watched his faith walk and um, and I just marveled at it. I just marveled at his intimacy. I marveled at his devotion. I marveled just at his faithfulness. I just marveled. And it's just like he, like my, my granddaddy, he was just my everything. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? And he was somebody that I just watched his life. And, and, and as he was around, I would be the one out of all the grandchildren, me and him were like conjoined twins. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I would literally be attached to him um, at the hip. You know, I would sleep beside him. Um, I would sit beside him. I would I would just sit there and just listen. And he would encourage me. He would empower me. He would pour into me, you know, and he would talk to me about faith and what it means. And even though it didn't, it didn't, I felt like it didn't stick, but mm-hmm. it was sticking. And um, for me, I just had the moment where I had my personal encounter and my personal experience because it's not enough to it's not enough to stand on the back and on the faith of your family. You mm-hmm. have to develop faith for yourself. You know what I'm saying? And so for me, I had my experience and my encounter with Christ when I was in college. My sophomore, about my sophomore year in college, my boss, um, she was a Christian and she said, hey, Jeff, you want to go to a Bible study with me on campus? My pastor's coming. I'm like, yeah, why not? Sure. Let me get some cool points with my boss. Why not? You know what I mean? And so I went and um, the pastor did, you know, share some just introductory things. What's your name? Blah, blah, blah stuff like that. I'm like, all right, cool. So this is kind of cool. You know, he looks like a cool dude. Then he shared me. He said, listen, he said, do you know about the love of Jesus? I said, nah, um, not really. The minute he began to share with me the love of Jesus was the minute I began to weep um, uncontrollably. And I just began and I experienced this hot, warm fire that felt like water. Just this sensation come rush throughout my entire body. And I just felt like all of the emptiness had been filled. All of the anger I had just been released. And it's just like in that moment, I literally experienced um, what I believe to be, you know, the love of Jesus. <laughs> you know that, transformative that transformative experience where it's just like, and after that, I swear to God, my life has never, ever been the same. Like I went to LIU Brooklyn. Like I, that's my alma mater. Like I went there to get my name up. I wanted to get my stats up. I wanted mm-hmm. to, you know what I'm saying? I wanted to, like, that's why I was there. But then all of a sudden I found myself being a president of the Christian Fellowship Club, radically influencing the campus for Christ, like doing it in a youth way, you know what right. I mean? Doing it in a way that was just like dope. You know what I'm saying? And um, yeah, it was just kind of crazy. <laughs> so let's talk about, okay, you had that transformational experience. A lot of people have that and they they realize they have a calling and they're like, oh, I'm going to be a preacher, right? And uh-huh. that's the lane that they take. I'm always fascinated by people who have that spiritual foundation, mm-hmm. but are moving in secular spaces. So yeah. how do you balance um, your belief in God and, and your Christian faith without being pigeonholed as, oh, well, he's, you know, he's a minister or he's... He's, he's spewing Jesus because let's be real, right? Let's be clear. Certain audiences and certain organizations, they get a whiff of that, that you, you're this. They're yeah. like, oh, no, 
no, no, he's too Jesus-y and we can't bring him in. That, yeah. that violates our policy. So how do you balance that without losing your sense of identity? Well, I mean, to be honest with you, like even when I go in schools and mm-hmm. stuff like that, I don't have to say Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, they feel him in me. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like I when saw you- the video. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know what I mean? So um, for me, man, church is... I am, I am the church, right? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like I go to a place of worship, of corporate worship to be, to be filled um, and to learn and to grow into fellowship with a community of believers. But my church is um, me really, you know, I do ministry in the wild, like church in the wild. Like, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? Like that's, I mean, you look at the life of Jesus, right? That's what he did. He was in the highways. He was in the byways. He was on the streets. Like, yo, he was chilling with the tax collectors. Mm-hmm. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like he was with the prostitutes. Like, yo, he was in the wild and I I'm just doing what he would do, right? You know what I'm saying? And so for me, man, I just, um, this, my company is my ministry. Like, uh-huh. I don't see it as, you know, um, separate identities, but no, but it's one entity. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And so only reason why I'm doing this because I know, because he called me to do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, let's be real, right? Let's, you know what I'm saying? And so I am what I am. You know what I'm saying? And, and as much as in the past, I've tried to run away from who I am. Right. Um, I've now embraced who I am. I've stopped running. And so, yeah. And here we are. And here we are. (laughs) (laughs) So tell me, whose story do you draw inspiration from? In what sense? In any sense. It's however you want to interpret the question. So Um, if it it motivates you to be great, somebody who inspires you to be a servant, and anybody. Well, I mean, I I, I think it's like I said, I think it's really my granddaddy. Mm -hmm. You know, I think he was the person that, um, it's just like, man, looking at him, there was this moment where I had with my grandfather, um, um, as he was approaching his death, right? And I never forget, he told me, he said to me, he said to me, he said, you're going to replace me. Wow. He said, the work that I've done, you're going to do. And that always stuck with me. And I just never, you know, forgot that. And it, I just never forgot that. It just stuck with me. And so mm-hmm. it's just like, you know, when he said it, it was just like, okay, looking back, it's just like, yeah, you're right. Right. I'm doing the work now. You know, what he said to me long ago, I'm living, I'm Absolutely. doing that. You know what I'm saying? And so I think um, I really draw from his life um, and I glean from his life and I just, his integrity and his faithfulness to his wife, to his family, you know, to his faith, uh, to people, uh, you know, just to being a humanist. You know, I, I just said, yeah, that that's the person that I've um, emulated, Right. you know? I know DeMarcus and I, we talk all the time. DeMarcus, the producer of the show, but also we're siblings for those who are new, uh, new listeners. Oh, I know that. Um, <laughs> yes, we are siblings. So we talk about, we both were very, very close to our yeah. maternal grandparents who have since passed on. But when things get rough, you know, yeah. we often talk about what they had to go through. I mean, you know, segregated South, moving a family yeah. north and systematically building a life for themselves and having to work so hard with so little to be able to provide Absolutely. and, you know, and not only build a life, but build a legacy. And, you know, so when, when I hit those walls and those obstacles, I often think back to, you know, if they were able to push through all yeah. of that and have faith, have yeah. integrity live a certain life and produce a lineage that's going to continue to do amazing things and may see parts of the world that they never got to see and have experiences they didn't get to have. And I can get over this bad day, right? I can get over this one failure, this disappointment. And and I'm a firm believer that we are living, you know, and riding on the prayers of of our ancestors for sure. So 
I, I feel you. I feel yeah. you there. <laughs> so tell me about a time when you had to be extraordinary on an ordinary day. No doubt. You know, I think the first thing that, that comes to mind is um, I remember when I was working, when I was working at, um, you know, at, at an after school program and I was, you know, when I was doing, you know, programming director, I remember this young man came up to me. It was one day when I was, it was one day in our summer program and he came to me, he said, he said, Mr. Jeff, he said, can I talk to you for a second? I'm like, yeah, what's up? No doubt. What's going on, D? And he was like, listen, you know, my family, we don't really have money like that. And I just wanted to know if you can go buy me some deodorant because I forgot wow. to, you know, I just I forgot to put it on because I really didn't have it. So I just wanted to know if you can hold me down. And I said, D, I said, D, yo, say less, say no more. I got you. Immediately I left. I went down to the Walgreens that was two blocks down, went down, picked him up some deodorant. And, you know, I took it out the, um, you know, I took it before I came and I, I threw the, the bag out mm -hmm. and everything like that. I put it in my pocket. I said, D, let me come see you right quick. You know, took him privately um, in my office. And I said, D, yo, here, hold that. And he said, he looked at me and it, I get I get chills, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, just, just, just from remembering that. And he just, you know, he pounded me up and he hugged me. He was just like, yo, he looked at me and I never forget how he looked at me. He said, thank you. And um, I was like, I got you. I was like, D, I got you. And um, that was something that, that, that I never forget. And it was crazy because a couple months later, I remember um, I was actually standing outside of my job and I looked and I looked visibly upset set mm -hmm. um, because something, you know, something had taken place at the job. And then I remember that same young man, all of a sudden I saw the same young man. He ran to me and said, yo, what's going on? What's going on? Yo, what's going on? Yo, Jeff, you, what's going on? You're right. You good. You good. And it was just like, he just came to my defense. Like, and I'm like, nah, dude, we good. We good. We good. We good. And it's just like to see how quickly he just, you know, would jump, you know, in the line of fire, just to defend right. me, or just to fight for me, to stand for me. And that moment it was just like, wow. <laughs> you right. know, absolutely. So, yeah. And sowing seeds and, yeah. and youth and other people, even adults, is not always some big, powerful message. Yeah. Sometimes it's the, the little it's things the little that things. you do yeah. that, that people remember. I, I read this story um, about legendary gospel artist Fred Hammond, mm -hmm. and uh, he tells the story about how, you know, when he was in the group commission way back in the day, yeah. how the number on the cassette was like his house, right? <laughs> they didn't have like some big management or whatever, so yeah. they put out this cassette. And this young kid was like obsessed with the group commission. So he called the number and realized on the answer machine uh -huh. that it was Fred Hammond's house, right? Wow. So he tells his homeboy, like, yo, you're not going to believe this. I called the number on the commission cassette and um, I got Fred Hammond's answer machine. Let's call it again. So they're on three-way and they call this number and Fred answers. Wow. And they're like <laughs> shook because, you know, they're quote playing around on the phone. Yeah, for real. But Fred listened to them and basically you know, they said that we love your music. We, we know we're into these things. And he took a minute to encourage them and was not upset about the situation. Now, fast forward, you know, 30 years later, or what have you. And Fred needed a knee replacement. And this guy that called his house, the orthopedic surgeon. Wow. So somehow their paths crossed, you know, found out that, he, that Fred needed this knee replacement. And he said, I'm the kid that called your house, you know, all those years <laughs> ago. And now don't worry about it. I got you. So he had this whole pro bono knee surgery just because he poured into some kid and his friend for five minutes, five minutes earlier. Yeah. So you just never know. And, and not that you do it for those reasons, like Absolutely. what you can get back. Yeah, for sure. But you never know how the blessings are going to return Absolutely. And, and to what you're putting out in the world. And it's not always monetary. It's not always sure. public recognition. You know, sometimes it comes back to you in kind, like somebody just doing, you know, doing something for 
for you or going out of their way for you. So I read that story and I was just like, man. And so when you said, you know, you look at these kids and, you know, the the first trillionaire could be in your mix, you know, in the mix in your audience or, um, you know, who knows, the next major inventor or or mogul. It's important to cultivate kids and help them to see what it is that, you know, can become of their situation. So um, I I like the little things. I like when people so, you know, in little ways. I mean, that's that's definitely where it's at, you know, and I think I, you know, one thing I do is I just encourage, I encourage creativity. Mm-hmm. Um, I encourage imagination. You know what I'm saying? Because, you know, I tell young people this, man, ideas are currency. You know what I'm saying? It's just like, yo, you can be sitting on millions because you, you know, because you haven't snatched that idea. Right. Because you haven't taken that seed, that, ident- that idea and put it in the ground and began to cultivate that idea, plant that idea. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So it's just like, yo, like, you never know. You never know what's, you know, what you have on the inside of you and what you're sitting on. And so that's why, man, I really just, I don't take it lightly. You know, just my work with young people, man. I just really believe and just encourage imagination and curiosity, you know, stuff like that. And since you're such a visionary, (laughs) where do you see yourself in, let's say, 15 years? In 15 years, I see myself, I see myself with a family. Um, I see my company being established. Um, I actually see ministry in the picture as well. Oh, okay. Um, All right. Yeah, I see ministry in the picture um, as well. Um, you know, and I and I just see international work, um, international work. I just see, I actually just see me around the globe. I see the globe and I just see me on a circuit. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just see a life of service, a life of giving, uh, a life of philanthropy. That's uh, what I see. Awesome. And, and also rest and relaxation. I mean, listen, <laughs> I love go, go, go. I'm a workaholic. People know me. They know that to be true. But I also love a great vacation. Oh, I love being on the beach, you know, oh. having some time to just Listen, chill out. Look, I'm going to tell you something because I will be um, on a yacht, on my yacht. Yes. Say, right? Preferably. <laughs> that's what I, that's the big joke with people when, you know, they do something for me or, you know, they've helped me in some way. I'm always like, you got you got a spot on my yacht. When I get it, you'll oh, get the invitation. Oh. You know, we'll head off to the Amalfi Coast or whatever. Oh. We're going to make it happen. Oh, for sure. <laughs> no, we're going to live good. We're going to live good. We're going to see good days in the land of living Exactly. <laughs> so what's on the immediate horizon for JU Consultants? On the immediate horizon, um, right now um, really just um, pushing my book out mm-hmm. uh, I'm in the process of setting up a book tour um, doing some talks really just getting this book out getting the message of uh, financial fitness out um, just really getting that book I've really been pushing that I'm um, strong um, in addition to that um, continuing my work with um, you know my business partner purpose and um, you know just transmuting the narratives of young men and uh, and young girls but really my main focus is really um, right now getting this product out but also um, I'm also developing new content as okay. well. So I've got to be in a space of constant creation. I've got to be in a space where I'm just producing. And so what I do is, um, you know, I give out a lot. So it's important for me to take in a lot. And so, um, you know, I actually had went book shopping the other day mm-hmm. and just to really kind of just to get some, you know, um, literature for personal growth and personal development and self-help and stuff like that. So I can just, you know what I mean? Like you, you just have to, you know, knowledge is ever increasing. Right. You know what I'm saying? And so I just have, um, I have a hunger for knowledge. And so I just want to keep eating. So I have something to give. Sure. Absolutely. So where can people find you and your book online? Yeah. So they could find me on www.juconsultants.com. 
Uh, you can find me on Instagram. That's at JU Consultants. You can actually get the book on my website, www.juconsultants.com, or you can hit me up on a DM on Instagram at JU Consultants. The book also will be available on Amazon next week, which is pretty dope. Um, yeah. So let's say the name one more time because people have a short term. <laughs> All about my money. All about my money. Um, go and get that. Look Stop out buying. for it. Listen, go these kids it. are about, about to go back to school. So when you buying the school supplies and everything oh, else, yeah. throw the book in the mix. Go to book in the mix. Listen, it's not about chasing the bag. It's about becoming a bag, man. It's about creating a product or, you know, giving something of value. And now the bag is chasing you and what you're generating, you're creaming while you're dreaming, right? See, I, see that, that's where I'm trying to get to. <laughs> I wake up like, oh, look at the money I made overnight. Right. Look at you that. Know what I'm and, and, but you know what? But it's important that you preach what you practice, mm-hmm. right? You know what I'm saying? And so for me, that's what I'm doing, right? You know, I wake up, oh, dope, I got a book sale. Right. You know what I'm saying? Oh, dope. Okay, some money's came. So um, that's something that, you know what I mean, um, is important to me. Absolutely. As well. I, yeah. I like that a lot. So listen, folks, make sure you check out Jeff Ulysses online. Check out his website, juconsultants.com. Absolutely. On Instagram, look for that book. We got to support our own, right? Yeah, I, I believe you don't need an agent to have a national bestseller. You don't need wow. a book agent. You, you can make it happen. We can make it happen. Come on okay. Now. So Come on let's sow into our people, Absolutely. sow into our community and look to get involved. You know, you yeah. inspire me to, to, to do more um, with young people and in, in youth, which I have gotten away from a little bit and as life has gotten crazy, but it is important. And I know so many people poured into me right. that you've got to give back in that way. So thank you so much thank for being you. on the podcast. Thank I enjoyed having you. I feel like I've been to church this weekend already <laughs> on Saturday, like the seventh day Adventist. But anyway, oh, <laughs> and to those of you who are listening, after you go check out Jeff online, make sure you are extraordinary on an ordinary day. Take care. Thank you for listening you for to the listening December 26th, 26th podcast. podcast. I am your host, your Delisha. Delisha. This, this episode was produced by Demarcus Adisa, and music was provided by Thovel. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at December 26th. That's December 26th.